0: Well, hello, Grace family. How y'all doing? As you heard before, I am Daryl Black. I come from the beautiful country of California. It, it's pretty out there, I'm just saying. I, can I say this? You all have an incredible church. If you don't know that, uh, can we just make some noise? Can we type some stuff for your pastors here? They, they've done a, an exceptional job and uh, you know I'm looking for, if y'all got a position open, sweeping floors, y'all let me know. But I want to say hello, first of all, to every campus, wherever you are, shout woo-hoo, put, type it in the, in the chat, say I'm so glad to be here, wherever you are. We're going to have some fun today, are you ready? So we're taking a little bit of a break from uh, the series Ghost Stories, but let me tell you this before I jump into this. I'm from California, I'm married to an incredible woman, incredible, say incredible, she is incredible, because she deals with me all the time, so she has to be incredible, we've been together more than 25 years, we have five children, I think there's a picture you guys get to see, yeah, and we got some grown kids who are not ready to leave the house, I'll have a, a parenting conference right after this, and we can talk about grown kids in your house. But you all have been in this series called Ghost, series, Ghost Stories. Have you enjoyed it? Yes. So we're going to take a little bit of a detour from that series to talk about something else. I'm going to give you the title of this sermon right off top. Let it go and move forward. Let it go and move forward. All throughout Scripture, all throughout the Bible, there is this theme that God wants us to level up. He doesn't want us to stay stuck. He doesn't want us to feel trapped. He wants us to move from one place to the next place. It's what God desires for us. Every time we look into Scripture, God is trying to get us to move from one place to the next. Even in the book of Genesis, even when Adam and Eve gets kicked out of the garden, God is not done with them yet. He still wants them to level up. He is still trying to get them to Canaan because Canaan represents the life that God wants for you. And it's the same for us. God wants us to level up. Say that with me Level up. up. Write that in. Level up. He wants us to level up. It's not just his desire, it's his design to move his people from one place to the next. Philippians 3 and 12 talks about this. He says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. In Isaiah 43 and 18, he says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. There's probably no scripture better than Hebrews 12. It says, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Woo, easily. Not the sin that's difficult, but the sin that easily trips you up. This is what God is worried about. There's some stuff that gets your attention easily. There's some stuff that messes you up easily. Going on a diet, don't have no rocky road around me because easily, Easily, you're just supposed to be on your phone and, and checking certain stats, but you've been on Instagram for an hour and 40 minutes. Easily, I know I should pray, but God, my Netflix special, easily. It's the easy things that mess us up. Then he says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Right here in Hebrew 12, we find out the what, the why, and the how. What does God want you to do? He wants you to let some things go. Why does he want you to do it? So that you can run the race with endurance that he set before you. How does he want you to do it? He wants you to do it by keeping your eyes on Jesus. End of sermon. That's the message right there. I can leave now. God's goal for us is progress. And with any progress comes loss. You cannot expect to move forward without losing some things and shedding some things and getting rid of some stuff. You've got to be ready to lose. And sometimes you're going to lose some friends. You might even feel like you're going to lose your mind. You're going to lose some comfort. You're going to lose some stuff, but you're losing for the sake of progress. And just a sidebar, God is more concerned with your transformation than he is with your comfort. I think 2019, everybody had plans for something, but 2020 said, "Mm mm-mm, No, you ain't. 2020 reminded us that holding on to stuff is not going to move us forward. We had to change our trajectory. We had to do some things a little bit different. We had to be adaptable and agile, which is why for every believer, you must master the skill of letting go of the life you thought you wanted. I know you had plans for 2019 and 2020 said, not those plans, which is why for every believer, you have to master the skill of letting go of the life you thought you wanted. Why? Because God is unpredictable. He is unpredictable. If you've been a believer for six minutes, God is unpredictable. God is unpredictable. He does unpredictable things. Now, God being unpredictable does not mean that God is unreliable, that he is unfaithful, or that he is inconsistent because he's reliably reliable. He's faithfully, faithfully, and he's consistently consistent. But he is unpredictable. There's a time in the Bible where Jesus heals a blind man by just saying, be healed. Then the next time he heals a blind man, he spits in his face. That's unpredictable. There's a time where he tells Moses to hit a rock and water comes out. Then the next time he says, speak to the rock. That's unpredictable. And while he may be unpredictable, he most assuredly has a plan. Why? Because God is a planner. He is a planner. Genesis 1 and 1 is God executing a plan. You being here right now, you watching online, it's not by coincidence. You are are here on purpose for purpose. Why? Because God is a planner. He's got a plan for you. Jeremiah 29 and 11, God gives the prophet a message to people who are possibly in the worst season of their lives. They've been ripped from their homeland and, and their traditions and from their religion. And they are in a horrific situation. But God Taylor makes this word for his people. And he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. I know the plan. You may not know the plan, but I know the plan. You might be crying, but there's a plan. It might be hurting you right now, but there's a plan. Now, all you need to know is there is a plan. I won't tell you what the plan is. I'll just tell you what the plan does. What does the plan do? Thank you for asking. The plan will prosper you. It will not harm you, and it will give you hope and a future. That's the plan. God has a plan because he is a planner. God who created the world, he did so because he is a planner. The contention is we got plans. That's the problem. God is a planner, but I got plans. And the tension is when my plans don't line up with his plans. Now we got a problem. What's the problem? Your plans are not as good as you think they are. Mm. I need somebody to talk to me on the chat. Just, just say, yeah, how do you put hallelujah on the chat? How many emojis is that? What that look like? Put the raised hands and just, you preaching. That's the contention. We have our own plans and sometimes even in the middle of the plans, we see another attribute of God that nobody talks about, that God is an interrupter we be like, God is a healer. Mm -hmm. We all about God being a healer. He's a provider. God is going to make a way where there is no way. He's a mighty provider. We say all that. We sing songs. But no one ever says, God is an interrupter. (laughs) We we don't want to talk about the fact that God will interrupt your plans. But sometimes God uses life interruptions. Interruptions to put his path and his plan in play. Sometimes God interrupts our plans so his purpose is revealed in our life. In Genesis 12, there's a man by the name of Abram and his wife, and he says, the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. Now, Abram and his wife, Sarah, they're chilling. They live in life. They got money, they got land, they doing their thing, they settling down. And God says, move away from everybody. Everything you know, everything you like, move away. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the conversation that Abram has to have with his wife Sarah? They just built their dream home. And Abram said, hey, babe, we moving. What, what you mean we move? We, God said move, so we moving. Where are we going? I don't know. Because he, he, didn't, he didn't tell me where. Are we going somewhere hot? I, I don't know. Are we going somewhere cold? I don't know. Well, what do you know, Abram? I know we moving. I know we moving. Later in their life, he also tells them that they're about to have a child. And they are in the glory years. He goes to Abraham and says, you are about to have a child. And Abraham, who's almost 100 years old, is like, all right now. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Y'all know what it takes to have a child. He goes to Abraham and says, you're about to have a child. And Abraham is excited, as he should be. He goes to Sarah and said they're about to have a child, and Sarah's like, first of all, you are not about to mess up this body <laughs> that I've worked for for 90 years. She laughs because she could not accept God interrupting their plans. God is an interrupter. He does that stuff sometimes. He, he steps in and messes up all your plans, but I am glad that God is an interrupter because one day I wasn't a believer and it's the interruption of Jesus dying on the cross and then rising again that gives me life. I thank God for interrupting my plans because my plans were bad And his plan was, I want to bring you home. I want to make you whole. I want to heal you from the inside out. I want to give you a future that you couldn't even realize. I thank God for being an interrupter because God has a so much better plan than I would ever have. Then in a completely different story, you all know Moses, yes? In a completely different story, Moses uh, dies in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is the patriarch and the leader of the children of Israel. He leads them out, and many years later, he dies. Deuteronomy 34 says, And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab. As the Lord had said, he buried him in Moab, in the valley of Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. To this day, even currently, no one knows where... Moses is buried. Now we jump all the way to Jude. This is Old Testament. Now we're going to New Testament. Moses is buried. Yep, we together. Moses is buried. Now we jump to the New Testament. In Jude, Michael the archangel is having an argument with Satan about where they should bury the body of Moses. We're transitioned, Pastor Darrell. I know. But walk with me. Moses, who would let the people out of Egypt, is now dead. And Michael the archangel is having an argument with Satan about where to bury the body. God doesn't want anyone to know where the body is buried, Satan wants everybody to know where the body is buried. Why? Here's why. Because Satan knows that they would have built a monument where God only wanted a memory. They would not have let go of something that had served them well in a previous season. And sometimes we can romanticize about who someone is or what something is, and it prevents us from moving to the Canaan that God has designed for us. So, if we're going to move forward, we've got to be ready to let some stuff go. Say, let it go. Let it go. If you're sitting next to somebody you know or don't know, just look at them real quick. Say, let them go. Now, look at the other person who is clearly your second choice and say, let it go. If you're going to let go of the life you thought we wanted, we must be willing to move on without the closure we thought we needed. Many people stop because they stop moving forward because they need closure. They need closure. You think you need closure. I would move forward, but I need some closure. You don't need closure. You need a calling. You're waiting on... See. There are some people in this room, there are some people who are watching and I know it, I know it, that's why I'm here. I know that there are some people that need to let go of some stuff before we get into 21, before you get to Monday, before you get to the next day, you need to let go of some things right now. You know what you've been holding on to, you know what God is saying, you know that whatever that person who is on your phone right now that you need to stop texting, let it go. Let it go. I don't know who I'm talking to. Let it go. Yeah, when he texts you at three o'clock, don't text back. Let it go. Let it go. Some of us are waiting on closure and all you need is a calling. God only gives us answers to the things we need answers for, not to the things we want answers for. You need what you need only to move Forward. And I know it's rough without having the answers that you think you need. When you don't have the answers that you think you need, lean on to the answers that you know. When you don't know, lean on what you do know. Here's what you do know. You know that all things work together for the good of them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You know that. You know That weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. You know that. You know that. You know that no matter which way you lean, as long as you lean toward God, he'll catch you. You know that. When you don't know, lean on what you do know. So, Because trust must be present when answers are absent. Lean on what you do know and don't get stuck in the wilderness. So how? How do we start letting stuff go? How do we let it go so we can move forward? First, we must admit the emotion. Admit the emotion. Yeah, be honest. Be transparent. Be vulnerable. Be like, God, I don't like this. I'm mad. I got a problem. I got an attitude. I'm in love with this thing. Most of the book of Psalm is about David having an attitude and then realizing that his attitude is not justified you need to worship not wine mm. is that put that in the chat you need to worship not wine emit the emotion forget the romanticized version that you have satan wants you to be emotionally intoxicated And he wants you to make big decisions while you're emotionally intoxicated because you wouldn't make those same decisions if you were emotionally sober. So admit your emotion, put it out there and be honest with God. Why lie to God? Tell him how you feel about what's going on in your life. Number two, acknowledge the entitlement. Acknowledge that you think you need to know all the answers. Acknowledge that you think that you deserve to know all the answers. You don't. None of us do. We don't deserve to know all the answers. Entitlement says, I don't have what I do deserve, but I deserve what I don't have. And the antidote to entitlement is appreciation, which says, I don't deserve what I have. I imagine in the story when when Moses goes off with God, and this is the DBV version, the Daryl Black version, I imagine in the story when Moses goes off with God, two leave, only one returns. Only God comes back, no Moses. And I imagine there's two million people. At least one of them was like, hey God, where's Moses? I need to know. Before we do anything, we're not throwing no parties. We ain't making no cake. There will not be no nothing. I need to know where Moses is. Well, who are you? I'm Sheila. I'm on the board. I need to know. (laughs) Acknowledge your entitlement. Number three, refuse to visit what you can't revise. Refuse to visit. Revisit what you can't revise. There is some reminiscing that is counterproductive. There's some stuff that you just, don't look back. Leave it alone. Don't look back. Stay off Facebook looking at your old flames. Oh, don't try to act like it's just me. Don't try. It's four billion people on Facebook. Don't try to act like nobody watching is on Facebook. You on Facebook. Some of y'all are watching this on Facebook right now. Don't refuse to revisit what you cannot revise. Once you've learned your lessons from the past, move on and don't look back. In Luke 17 and 32, Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Now there's a story that happens in the Old Testament. I won't get into it real deep, but there's a story that happens in the Old Testament and there's a city that God is going to destroy us. Cities called Sodom and Gomorrah. And Lot is there with his wife. He is the, the, the nephew of Moses, of Abraham. He is the nephew of Abraham. And God says, get your people out. So he says, here are the instructions. When you get your people out, tell them to run to the hills, but don't look back. There's nothing for you back there. I'm going to destroy that. There's something new for you this way. Well, as they take off running, Lot's wife looks back. She turns into a pillar of salt and dies. She's gone because she looked back. What, the promise that God has for you is not behind you, it's in front of you. Can I tell you a story? tell this story I, I don't know if you can tell by looking at me but I'm not a hiker um, I'm not a hiker for obvious reasons sir I'm not a hiker a couple years ago a friend of mine and I we went to South Dakota and I was leading worship there in South Dakota and he said man let's go hiking in the woods in the real woods <laughs> lions and tigers and bears oh thank you oh my But I'm adventurous, I was like, let's go hiking. So we go to the front desk and they tell us, hey, go hiking, you'll take this trail, it's gonna take you to the monument. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do this thing. So we go hiking, they say it's gonna take about an hour. So we're walking on this road, we're having a good time talking to each other. At some point, the trail has a fork in it. There's a sign to tell you which direction to go in, but the sign is broken and laying on the ground. So we don't know which way to go. So we choose the wrong way. So after about an hour and a half or so of walking, we realize we're going in the wrong direction because we come to a dead end. And now we have to walk back, and the sun is going down. And in my mind, when the sun goes down, starts to go down in the woods again, let me explain to you this is the woods, it's midnight. It's midnight to me. I don't care if you can still see the sun. It's midnight to me. I've seen the movies. (laughs) All day, we've been walking. We've been hearing things. We've been hearing squirrels running and birds chirping in the tree. And I'm living on a swivel. I'm living on a (laughs) hay. Hey, hey. Because we in the woods. At one point, I heard something really big. Now, in my mind, it was a bear, a lion, and a shark. I don't know where the shark came from. But in my mind, it was big. It wasn't a squirrel and it wasn't a bird. It was big. So I did what any normal person would do in this situation, and I ran. I ran like the wind. I ran until I found this little road and I stood on the road and I turned for a moment to see my friend John and he wasn't there. So I yelled into the woods, John! John! I guess they got him. (laughs) And I walked away. I saw some lights down the road. I said, I'm just going to walk towards these lights. A few moments later, I hear a distant cry, Daryl, Daryl, John. He's about 100 yards away. We finally meet up and he says, hey man, what happened to you? I said, no, what happened to you? I said, didn't you hear what I heard? And he said, yeah, but I turned to look and I said, that's your problem. Why would you, have you ever seen a scary movie? Why would you look back? That's how people die, man. He said, man, I look back, and then when I turned around again, you were gone. I said, yes. Because I know something that you don't know. God has a calling on my life, and I'm not dying in the woods. Don't look back. Number four, trust the Savior. If you're going to learn how to let go, master the skill of letting go and moving forward. You've got to be able to trust the Savior with your satisfaction and his plan. We trust God with our salvation. We trust God with our sanctification. But we don't trust God with our satisfaction. We give almost everything to God, but do we really believe that God knows how to make us happy we trust God as far as it makes us comfortable we i mean if we're really real about this when it comes to picking a husband or picking a wife do we trust God for the pick oh you know I'm not going I'm not going I'm not going to read the bible to find out what kind of wife I should have and what kind of husband I should be with. I'm just going to do my preference. I mean, God is good for church stuff, but not for life stuff. Do we trust God with our happiness? God has nothing but the best in mind for you. And until you start to learn to let some stuff go, you'll never see what he has in store. In, in Moses, in the book of Deuteronomy, when Moses died, one of the reasons that God doesn't want them to know where Moses is buried, because they still have to get to Canaan. God has been trying to get them to Canaan since Genesis. God has been trying to get them to Canaan since they left the Garden of Eden. Even when we talk about Abraham and when God comes to Abraham and tells Abraham that he wants to leave and take him to another country, guess where he's going? Canaan. Guess what happened? Before God comes to Abraham, God went to his father in chapter 11. At the end of chapter 11, it said that his father settled in her a place called her. He was supposed to be going to Canaan, but he settled in another place. Even though God had Canaan, he settled somewhere. My word for you right now is don't settle. Don't settle. And 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 I get it, Abraham's father settled because they had another son and his son died in that city. So he stayed in that city where his son died. I know there's emotional attachments. There's stuff. I know you're comfortable where you are. I know you've, you've batted down the hatches where you are, but God says, man, I got better for you. Why have a mediocre relationship when you can have an incredible one? I got better for you. I got better for you. Why keep, why keep pulling your hair out and turning gray and going wrinkled before it's your time when God is saying, I got better for you. I, I, my plan is that you are emotionally rich. I've got better for you. But first, you've got to learn to let go. You got to let go of the people who are not doing you anything but harm. You've got to let go of the emotional vampires in your life. You've got to let go of those things so you can get what God has for you. And here is the posture of letting go. Guess what? My hands are open. So now I can receive whatever God has for me, but I won't get it with a clenched fist full of things that God has not planned for me. So today, do this one thing. Today, wherever you are, I want you to identify one thing, just one thing. I know you got a storage facility full of stuff that you need to let go of. Some of y'all are Christian hoarders. Do this one thing that God is calling you to let go of so that he can catapult you into your next season. Don't let this day end without you shedding some things and letting go of some things that are keeping you bound. And you know what they are. Today is the day to let go of the non-essentials. Let it go so that you can begin to freely pursue what God is calling you to. God's plans for you is always better than our plans for ourselves. So let it go and move forward, amen, amen.